You're listening to Customer Growth Sessions, presented by Intergrowth, where we talk through strategies to help up-and-coming e-commerce businesses bring in more customers. I'm your host, Pat Ahern. Let's jump in. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I am thrilled to bring on Nils Koppelman, the founder and lead experiment consultant over at 3Tech. So Nils, thank you for coming on the show. We're thrilled to have you today. Thanks, Pat, for the invite. And uh, even though we missed each other in Stockholm, I'm happy we get to talk now. I know I'm a little bummed that was the time that you picked to be in Stockholm in the middle of November. I would say undoubtedly the least pleasant time to be there, but excited hopefully be able to meet up some point soon in Germany or next time you're back in this area. I'm sure, frankly, it was quite nice. First time in Stockholm and Sweden for that matter. And it was a cool conference, so it was well worth it. Well, cool. Before we jump in and start grilling you with all these CRO-related questions we're going to get into, we'd love to just start out having you give a little bit of an overview about yourself. How did you go about starting 3Tech? Tell us a little about yourself. Sure. My name is Niels, as you probably know by now. I'm a founder of 3Tech. Initially, we started, I think, in 2017 as a primarily web development company. And at some point, with changing client needs, we started getting into CRO and trying to solve problems more data-driven and actually output-oriented. And that, at some point, turned into, hey, what's A-B testing? What's CRO? How can we help companies become more data-driven, not only regarding their website, but also in regard to their entire decision architecture and decision-making process? That's a little 20-second, probably something like that, intro to what 3Tech is about, what I'm doing, and yeah. Today, given your experience, I really want to dive deep into CRO, talk about some of the strategies that you've seen work really well for businesses you've consulted with, and also just help founders that are either currently doing CRO or considering investing in CRO to make smarter decisions about how to approach it. So maybe stepping back, talk to us a little about maybe the pros and cons of CRO, whether you want to speak to it in terms of biggest benefits you see specific use cases where you see it really beneficial for one business over the other. We'd love to take it in whatever direction sounds best to you there. Sure. I think most of the listeners probably are in the D2C kind of space, if I remember correctly. So I'll make that, I'll try to tailor it somewhat to that. So I would say probably the biggest use case and an entry point for CRO is usually if we talk marketing, if we talk website optimization, right? Um, CRO, for those who don't know, stands for conversion rate optimization. And there is a lot of discussions around uh, whether or not that is the proper term for it or if, if that's the, the best term. But basically, the idea is how can we get more visitors to buy on a website? At least that's the starting point. The more you mature, that might actually turn into how can we improve the experience so that visitors have a better time making the right decisions or might find the, the right products for them. Because a lot of the times, and this is probably like crucial for founders, you might think how to best deliver or how to deliver the best experience for your customers, but that is only looking through your eyes. And what with CO, what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand or look through the lens of the customer and help them in on their journey. So what that typically looks like is like trying to use data that we have and Data comes in all sorts of forms, so like web analytics, user behavior data, stuff like screen recordings or heat maps, but also just simple stuff like talking to your customers, right? So this is, by the way, one of the most undervalued and underutilized 
things that I come across on a daily basis, just talking to customers and actually listening and taking action on what customers are saying, or sometimes even on what they're not saying and what that might mean for, for their experience. And then using those insights that we gain from data to come up with a plan on how to optimize it. Probably that's CRO in a nutshell. And on the extension, also part of what we focus on is then the experimentation part, because I might come across a website, see 10 different things from different research sources and say, okay, we need to make this particular change. So what's the problem here? Obviously, my assumption might be a bit better, maybe from experience than what the founder has, but it might also just be totally terrible and worth nothing. And if we implement that, we have no guarantee that we'll actually have the change potentially we're hoping for. So this is where usually A-B testing or other sorts of validation come into play, where we can actually say, okay, let's assume, let's make this change and what do we hope to get from it and why? So this is where this entire thing about hypotheses comes into play and where we try to learn from user behavior then we test it, we get a result, we analyze that. And that's like probably the, the whole process in a nutshell, I probably missed parts of it, but yeah, hopefully that helps to get a bit of an idea. And it's a phenomenal starting point for starting to understand just how multifaceted CRO can be as a whole. I, and you brought up the point of what I would refer to as like customer development or customer interviews is really being an essential component for that data collection process. That in of itself, we could easily do another, probably on the low end, hour long recording episode on minimum. Maybe to keep it focused, I'd love to talk through how to go about designing these CRO experiments Mm -hmm. and how to go about analyzing the data. One thing I think that would be really helpful to start out with is CRO, I personally look at it as a great way to get significant percentage improvements on, let's say, conversion rates for a specific goal you're looking to get. Certain stages, it may not make sense for a business to invest in that. Let's say you're getting five customers per month. CRO might not be the right investment if you have a smaller like average order value. On the other hand, if you're doing a billion dollars in revenue a month, CRO is a no-brainer. Maybe how do you think about a good entry point? What revenue stages does it make sense for a business to really start thinking about CRO? I would probably say that, and this is actually my opinion on that changed quite a bit over the years, but because initially like coming from a web development background, my point of view was CRO is only what happens on the website. But if we look at CRO applying more to the entire customer journey, then we can use the same principles, but not only use them to optimize on-site experience, but also to, and this is what's happening in creative testing for like a lot of companies, use insights to inform on performance and to inform on user behavior. So I would probably say, yeah, on-site optimization or doing work on like on-site might be limited to or like might only make sense if you have a certain amount of traffic already coming through to your site and a certain amount of orders that you, you process in order to be actually able to detect differences to a certain degree. But CRO is like basically you're trying to still experiment your way to success, right? And try to understand more about your customers. And that I think you can do from day one. If you think about it, and this is probably more in the realm of experimentation in general, starting a company is an experiment, right? You have no idea if your product is actually will find product market fit. That in of itself, this process is an experiment. Maybe not in a randomized controlled trial sense or what A-B tests are otherwise called, but still. So I think this methodology of the scientific method that still 
is very valuable. And so I would say probably if you don't have enough traffic to test on your site, start testing creatives, start trying to increase traffic so you are able to do stuff on there. Same goes for if you don't have enough orders coming through. Well, maybe it doesn't make sense just yet to optimize for purchase conversions, like the hard sell at the end, but maybe it just makes sense to go all the way to continuation to checkout or something like that. There is like various strategies if you don't have enough traffic to actually start testing. And I mean, we could go into what the levels are and when that makes sense. And that's probably more of a statistical discussion and also a case by case thing. But I think generally speaking, it is clear if you're like just getting hundreds of visitors a month on your site, trying to A-B test will just lead you down the wrong path because you're trying to make us like trying to draw conclusions from clearly not enough data. But what you can still do is use data that other people have gathered already and there are sites like goodui.org, for example, can help you there. Does it have the same kind of validity that maybe experiments on your own site? Oh, I don't have enough traffic for CRO. Well, you don't have enough traffic for testing maybe, but you can still do and work with what I like to call common practices, not necessarily best practices, but common practices that people employ to, to optimize their site. And then there is other ways of validating your decisions that you make. You can do user testing. You could just, again, talk to customers and do stuff like that. So hope that helps. I love the way that you put that. It's eye-opening for me hearing this because I've definitely historically thought about CRO from a much narrower lens of the on-page website optimizations, maybe grouping some of the paid ad tests in there as well. Going back to what you were saying at the top, though, with incorporating customer development there, I look at it as a much more holistic process that you're really baking into product development at large. And I love the way that you're looking at that. Yeah. And in, so in I, that sense, also, maybe one thing to add, I mentioned that you don't have to stay on the site, but you just said product development. And this is also super interesting. If you look at how some brands that really where you see, oh, they have like not only high conversion rates, they're not only super successful. But they also have a strong community where they involve the community in actually making products. So in, in trying to figure out what is it that people actually want. So like there is zero can, and you might not call it that in other departments in the company. As long as you have this mindset of testing and having an open mind, not being stuck or attached too much to your own opinion, but try to find the common truth or then you can really leverage the idea behind CRO. I love that. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into one of the things that you were, or one of my takeaways from what you were mentioning before, which is if you have, let's say, limited people coming to your website right now, there are still some great third-party sources that you can look at to find. And I like the way that you distinguish this, not necessarily best practices, but third-party data you can look at to better understand common practices. I want to put you on the spot there and give you a, a tangible business example that we can look at. Yep. And then based on that, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, if I'm starting this company, where are some of these, or what are some of these tangible third-party sources that I might look into to find this type of data? I was thinking about a razor blades recently because I'm running low on razors and <laughs> definitely need to order some for the holidays for myself. So let's say I'm running a razor blade company. I have, let's say just for simplicity, I have three different razor blades that I'm selling. Smaller level of SKUs right now for the business. I'm getting 200 people to the site every single month. So I'm interested in diving into CRO. Maybe haven't looked at it yet, but 
to your point, my data is pretty limited. So where would you advise that I go to try and collect some more of this data? One interesting thing, also, again, super underutilized, is just places like Reddit. Like, if you want to know what people think, what people care about, just going to Reddit. I knew about Reddit for like probably 10 years or something, but only for the last two and a half, three years, I've actually started being on there and, and also for clients, it, it might sound weird, like you're going onto a social media platform to do research, but it's incredible because people on Reddit, for example, and their Twitter is similar, but for me, at least harder to discover stuff on certain topics, but people are being super honest. There is apparently no filter to what they're saying. And you might be surprised, but there, if you look at big brands, like say Gillette, for example, I'm sure there is some kind of thread where people or some kind of subreddit where people go and try to research or just complain. This is amazing. In the same way, if you can go more targeted to like a specific product, just going on Amazon reviews and trying to figure out why is it that people, for example, switch from a Gillette? Why do they don't not like it? What do they love about it? And that is similar to your product. So because you might not be getting the amount of reviews that you can already like work with. But there's all these other sources of similar products or uh, alternatives, competitor products. One of the things I, I like to use as an example, a lot of tools have one big competitor and it's oftentimes Google Spreadsheets or Excel. So why not look at this as a competitor as com compared to oh, we're the only tool in the market. No, you're probably not because people are solving the same problem just with their means. And the same goes for physical products like razor blades, right? For example, if you're trying to sell like these razor blades, you might not only look at razor blades, but also at what other ways are there to serve this need to shave, right? Maybe there's people out there just waxing their beard off. I wouldn't know why, but like maybe that's the case, right? Maybe they, they really don't like the, I don't know, the irritation that you have on your skin. Oh, so we just uncovered one thing that people care about, having smooth skin, not being irritated, Maybe there's people with certain kinds of, I'm just uh, jamming here, but with certain kinds of like skin problems that just because you, you're selling this specific kind of razor are just not there anymore or are solved. So stuff like that, if you go to the real truth of what people care about, I think helps a lot. And then again, like you don't have the traffic on your site to test this kind of messaging, go to ads, talk to people, try different things. Recently, I haven't tried this yet, but one guy said, basically, he's just sending out tweets to test content. So in a way, that's the same thing. If you don't have the following, of course, that doesn't make sense. You have to probably go to paid or talk to existing customers. But all these kind of ways you can use to then craft your messaging, test different things out. And maybe with some things you realize it doesn't work at all. That's also fine because that's a learning and that will help you move forward. Brilliant. So I, I want to dive deeper into Reddit and Amazon because I see that as such a huge opportunity to your point. So let's stick with the razor blade example. And let's say that I'm, whether we want to start out with Reddit or want to start out with Amazon, let's say I'm going through this process right now. I'm in theory, I'm pausing this podcast and I'm going to jump right into Reddit right now and try and find some communities. <laughs> what do you often find are some of the best ways to approach the experiment or approach that research process with the caveat obviously being that so many of these Reddit community or a, there are so many different subreddits that are out there. Let's say you look at a Gillette razor blade on Amazon, there might be 50,000 reviews for that razor blade. 
So do you find that there are certain trends that you can look for or certain signals to identify that can help cut down on some of that research time? Yeah, this is, to be honest, a bit exploratory. I'm not sure if I have the perfect formula there, but also one of the important points is when we try this regularly is to cut down that time because it, it can take a couple hours, right? But I think the more time you spend with this kind of material, the more you actually learn about the, the subject matter. Of course, if you're selling razor blades, I'm assuming you know how they work. You generally know what, why people buy razor blades, probably too trim their beard, but maybe also other things you don't know. But the point is, like, what I try to understand is, do the products in the market serve a specific need? For example, with razor blades and Gillette, I would probably go at like the top ranked ones because they're, okay, 50,000 reviews, I won't go through all of them. I might look at 20, 30, 50 of the worst reviews, some in the middle and some on the top. I don't need to read all of them to understand it because that's probably too time consuming, but it's about getting data points, right? It's not about getting the end-all, be-all picture because at the end, it's still another company's product, another customer base. Don't confuse that with, oh, this is the truth, but it's one data point that you can use as a starting point for, for your own research or to test things out, especially if you're trying to fill the gap or the lack of data you have your, yourself. And with Reddit, probably I would go for like hot topics there. If you've been on Wikipedia before, at least it happens to me regularly. I click on one link, start reading on one topic, and all of a sudden I end up on 10 different tangents. The same thing you can do on Reddit, right? You don't have to find the perfect post. It's more about exploring, trying to get ideas for messaging, for example, or for to identify customer problems. And one thing I think that helps is either doing some kind of like just taking a notepad, writing down topics or customer problems, maybe categorize them somehow and just do little lines there whenever you, this comes across you. So you can somehow get an idea how relevant or how popular is that. Of course, it's biased because you might not be looking at all 50,000 reviews, but then again, it's a heuristic for you to understand what's relevant for you right now. Absolutely. And I love the way that a, you brought up the idea of tally marks to say, hey, make some assumptions about what some of these big customer pain points are. And then while it's just one data set, take a look at this data set and see how often do these tally marks come up. If you get one pain point that's coming up twice as often, three times, four times as often, A, yeah. might be a huge gap in the market right now. But even if there's not a huge gap, it's at least definitively, it's what a lot of customers are looking for. And I love your point about looking at top Amazon reviews for some of these big products but also looking at some of the lower end reviews. My assumption is based on that, you could find some great ideation for specific things that customers want that they're not finding out of these products that they are spending money on. Yeah. And in a similar way also, maybe like going for direct competitors of these products you're looking at, because sometimes they might not critique the product that you're looking at, but they might say, oh, I switched from I don't know any other brands right now, but like I switched from this other kind of blade, even if it's from the same company, because one solves my need better or stuff like that, right? So, or maybe the packaging looked nicer. And so you understand, oh, people care about that kind of thing. I don't know, probably not, but all great tangible examples though. And this is giving listeners a lot to chew on. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's assume that since we spoke a lot to how businesses that still have limited data about their existing customers, about their existing site performance. That was so much gold that was in there speaking to opportunities to find great third-party data that you can reference to just make better decisions. Let's say that you're looking at the inverse side of things. You're looking at a business that sees 
let's say they get a million US in, in annual revenue. Maybe they get 50,000 people coming to their site every single month. They're a, I would say, a good D2C brand. They're still in growth stage, still maybe just a couple employees there, but they're at a, a good state where they have quite a bit of data that they can look at on their website. Let's say this is that same razor blade company. How might you recommend that they go about analyzing some of those existing data points to figure out, A, what sort of tweaks should they consider making their product? B, looking at maybe like the website conversion side of things, are there specific data points that might be helpful for them to look at or try and collect more data on to figure out their next series of tests? Yeah. So like what we so far looked at is primarily looking at third-party data, right? So data, like data points from other companies. Now you're at the point where you have probably enough traffic to infer on on user behavior on your own site or even ask your own customers. Probably already on that way, you should be talking to your customers already, but you might be able to run or you will definitely be able to run uh, surveys on your site. You're able to uh, analyze the, I'll call it funnel behavior throughout your site, even though this one funnel, as every e-com founder probably knows by now, uh, doesn't exist, but you might be able to, or you definitely will be able to, to see where are people dropping off. Is it, I mean, it's super simple to look at, right? You can easily build these reports now in GA4 to see, oh, are people dropping off already on the homepage, for example, or where are they actually landing? If you're running ads, of course, usually this will be collection or product pages or landing pages if you're already at that stage. And like just understanding, like, how does the decision-making process look like on your site? You might not understand just yet where does intent lie or how is that building up although there is now a super interesting set of tools coming up but you can see hey are people dropping off on the collection page or maybe you have because you grew over time now you have like 100 different razor plates for some reason or bundles and i have super interesting example of a client right now they have so many products And it seems like people are super overwhelmed, not only because there are so many products, but they're also similarly looking. Sometimes it's bundles of products. And that's obvious with growing amount of products or product portfolio, you need to adapt to that. That said, also things that you might have tested in the past might not be valid anymore because just your product changed or your portfolio changes, your customers that you're now buying are are changing or that you're acquiring. But you can use, like, you can monitor uh, all this data, right? Uh, Behavior data you might be looking at using session recordings, heat maps, really like other kind of behavior analytics tools and see where people are dropping off. So that's like getting insights, right, at at the research stage. Probably at 50,000 users a month, you're not at the point where like a full-blown A-B testing program makes sense just yet. But you might be able to run one or two tests on the site And hopefully in some way that's also, you'll be able to track a difference in purchase conversion rate. Stuff like that definitely makes sense. Usually I'd say check it on a case-by-case basis. And even if under super strict statistical conditions, you might not be able to detect like one or 2% differences, but try big bets, right? Try bigger changes, try totally different landing pages and see, oh, does one perform five, six, seven, 10% better than the other one? And of course, apply statistical measures to make sure that this is valid. But yeah, if you're at that point, you also are able to take bigger risks than bigger brands probably. So go ahead. So within that, a couple of follow-up questions, but I want to start Mm -hmm. out with 
the process of designing some of these tests that you can run. Let's say this razor blade company will stick with 50,000 site visitors. Maybe their team comes up with 15 different experiments that they think they can run for CRO. A couple of them are related to some landing pages that are just underperforming in terms of conversion rates. Maybe they're considering a homepage redesign, a couple larger updates to their product pages. Are there certain data points or just certain generalizations that you could offer in terms of how this business might go about prioritizing those? Let's assume they have these 15 ideas, but it's maybe only going to be feasible for them to focus on two of these tests for yeah. the upcoming quarter. With this kind of company, also from experience, one of the biggest bottlenecks that you have, there are basically two things. One, traffic, which already limits uh, the amount of experiments you can run, but also your internal resources, because someone has to build it, someone has to monitor it, and all these kind of things, right? Design it, and maybe do copywriting for that. So you already have a couple limits. I wouldn't go super crazy about trying to find the, the best prioritization model or trying to build a kind of behavior model for that to then reprioritize ideas. Not the stage you're at just now or just yet. Just use simple prioritization like an ICE model. That's impact, confidence, and ease. You basically, can, like ICE, I-C-E, you can Google it. Um, it's super simple. A bit tricky when it comes to like what does confidence actually mean. But there's also tools to help with that, like the confidence meter from Itamar Gilad, I think it is. Although that, again, makes things more complicated. But you try to use a couple metrics or a couple yeah, values that you can easily or somewhat easily use and just prioritize it. At the end of the day, you might be only be able to run, say, maybe two experiments per month. But then you have the next month and then you have the next. And you'll soon, I mean, it's not you have, can only run two experiments per year. These experiments might have to run longer than if you had more traffic, of course, but to meet certain sample size requirements. But yeah, it's just prioritization, I think, sometimes is like people count too much on getting prioritization right and which keeps them from actually doing the work, actually running experiments. So your prioritization will never work properly. It's only a heuristic, only a proxy to getting to the right decision or getting to find out what the right decision is in the case of experimentation. I would probably like go about it that way. Use a simple prioritization framework and just get started. I love the way you put it. it. One of my takeaways from that is it sounds like you've probably had quite a few experiences where you've been working with a business and maybe they've put a little bit too much time into saying like, let's make sure we do the perfect experiment first. Whereas in a lot of cases, it sounds like these businesses probably would have been better off if they just said, hey, these four experiments are going to be good enough. Let's start with these. We'll collect some good data. And then because we're deciding very quickly, we're going to be able to get more experiments done this year and we'll be able to learn more things and get better results. Is that a, a safe way of summarizing some of that? It, it, it's, it's definitely a safe way. But one, one thing I'd, I'd like to add there is I think the more people focus on prioritization, they see individual experiments as like committing to a big project. And that's like usually the opposite of what you want, because you don't want to be super attached to an experiment, because then you're like, oh, we spend so much time and effort. And there's experiments that need more effort than others. Maybe there just takes more time to build it, but it's very business critical. Of course, you should do it. But the point is, if people see experiments just as a validation of them being right, then that's the wrong approach, in my opinion. It's better than not testing at all. Sure. But if you say, okay, 
really what I'm looking for is just to get the praise that my ideas are right. Because, oh, I've spent so much time developing this experiment or this is what we really want to do. Then you're, you're not getting the insight that lies at the core of experimentation. Because if you test to be right, you're doing it wrong. But if you test to be wrong, your the insights you're learning are much higher. Yeah, generally, I, I would just say don't get attached too much to individual experiments and don't be too sad if they don't work because the more experiments you run, the more experiments won't work. But that actually helps you grow because you're not just relying on just implementing stuff, right? Because just as an excursion, maybe for a second, imagine you don't test. Basically, you have no idea if any of the stuff you're implementing, any of the ideas that you think are right are actually adding to your bottom line or improving any of the metrics that you intend to. And from experience, like depending also on the program, on maturity, but like 60 to 80% of experiments that quote unquote don't work, they don't lead to say an uplift. So yeah, again, depending on the program, but there's of course programs that have like 50 plus percent win rates at the beginning, but over time that might also decrease. And you hit on such an important point there that I hope listeners really take to heart, which is when you're designing these experiments, it's not about being right. It's about collecting the right data. Or as sometimes right. I like to say, it's about being right in the long term and not being right with that one singular experiment. I know we're coming up close on time. I want to squeeze a couple sure. more questions in here. One of the things that I would really like to hear from you, you've mentioned at a very high level, so many different data collection elements, things like surveys, heat maps, you name it, setting up GA4 for getting better attribution data, maybe rapid fire. would love to just hear a list of different tools that you recommend, let's say for holistic CRO, whether it's mm -hmm. talking about collecting data from third-party sources, whether it is designing experiments for tweaks on your website, but what yeah. are some of the big tools that would be good for listeners to check out if they want to get started with CRO? So let's just name like one for every category. I would probably find a tool for running surveys. I use something like, like SurveyMonkey is one that's out there, one that I can't come up with right now on the spot. Like super, like a lot of tools that are out there. Then analytics, for most of your listeners, this will be Google Analytics, might be something like Pivik Pro or something like that. A-B testing tools, I would probably not generalize, but there's stuff like A-B Lift, Convert, especially if you're in that kind of ballpark. These will be probably the, the most affordable ones. Then there is stuff like Clarity. Maybe not too many people know about it, but it's basically Hotjar by Microsoft, but it's free. So that's good. And I know at this stage, you like you try to save costs at every point using something like that. Super valuable. Knowing your way around tools like Google Tag Manager, for example, also goes a long way because oftentimes you need to send events either to your testing tool or to analytics to then be able to analyze experiments. Yeah. And I think the biggest tool that you have also is being able to talk with customers. Again, this is super simple, but I don't want to leave it out here because, and depending on how you're set up, maybe that's through Instagram, maybe that's through email, using your reviews and these kind of sources, super important. Yeah. Let's say the business owner that is looking to hire an outside expert mm -hmm. to help them to design CRO systems, to help them collect some of this data. At what stage should an e-commerce business be really thinking about hiring an expert from the outside to help them out. That's totally up my alley as we are offering that. But so it's an interesting question because that oftentimes comes with question about ROI. People don't care about ROI as much 
on experimentation or testing efforts, if it's from internal teams, I mean, super important, but especially at that size of company, people seem to focus less on that because internal resources seem to be cheaper all the time, at least in some way. But so that's a good question. I would probably say in the beginning, you can go two ways. Either you hire externally to mentor and to consult with you, or you hire externally to do basically an end-to-end or a hybrid where you or your team are still involved yourself. You might be building the experiments yourself. And the outside party, like a consultant or an agency, might help you just figure out how to do it. Set up the program. Maybe you have to set up the tools, create a process that works with your specific company, with your inner workings. Probably. So we've, we've done that with companies at the 50K mark. Now we do that with less companies of that size, at least when it comes to end-to-end. I still do mentoring and consulting sessions with companies of that size. But I would probably also say it's a case-by-case basis. but What I like to see, maybe this is also a good way to say it, what I like to see in companies that we work with is that they don't see this as a last resort to saving their company because you're going to be up for a failure. Because CRO, you have to know, it's like, you don't know what works. That's the entire idea behind it. We're stupid in a way, right? But we're trying to get smarter with every experiment, with every learning. And that also takes time from an investment perspective sort of things bring some budget, but not that you're like overspending on it, but like tests that don't work or things that might take longer sometimes, especially in the beginning, that also costs you money at the end. So just make sure you're not like spending your last uh, money that could otherwise go in ads or something like that to spend on a CRO, because then you're under huge pressure and like the provider you're choosing, or even an internal team is under huge pressure to deliver, which of course they should, but that doesn't make the operation side of things easier. And To your point, I can imagine there are scenarios where founders may jump into a CRO initiative and, you know, maybe they have a very set budget and they're going into it and saying, hey, we really need to see this certain ROI on it. And one of my big takeaways from everything you've shared today is some experiments aren't going to drive improvements, but you're going to learn some great things that are going to help you to grow more in the future. If that founder goes in and says, hey, we need a a 2.5x ROI on this investment, that may not come in the short term. It'll come in the long term, but it's yeah. going to be far more beneficial if they have that flexibility to say, hey, we want to spend this amount of money to learn more about our customers yeah. and to learn, can we improve the site in this way? 100%. So like we've had customers before where, or clients for that matter, where they've seen huge ROI already on like the first couple months, right? Super cool. Love sharing these case studies. But I also want to say that's not the norm necessarily. And everybody who says something different is probably not right. But ROI is like calculated very differently, like depending on who you ask. For a SaaS company, that's totally different, or a subscription company, than for, say, normal D2C brand or e-com, where you might not have a subscription component in there. So, And also, like thinking about ROI more on a portfolio context is way more valuable than thinking about ROI on individual experiment basis. We did that before, but then like this kind of motion starts happening where, oh, this test failed. So should we really keep investing in that? Well, yeah, because like the overall ROI, as you said, in the long term is still there usually, but individual experiments might not lead to the uplift you're looking for. But that also, one thing I might add is you're not only just like looking at what uplifts can I produce, 
but also what downlifts can I prevent? Because this is, again, if you weren't testing, like maybe 50% of your changes have a detrimental impact on your say conversion rate for that matter, or on another metric, but you never know. With that, you can also just try to prevent downlifts and keep steady or grow. That's brilliant. Well, Nils, I want to be respectful of your time. Before we let you go, how can listeners get best in contact with you? So best in contact, probably through LinkedIn. So that's just search my name in LinkedIn, Niels Koppelman, uh, or 3Tech for that matter. Also, if you're really interested in CRO and experimentation, seeing how the, the big guys, namely booking Amazon, et cetera, do it, but also how you can apply it for yourself. Like check out my newsletter. I think it's somewhere linked on my LinkedIn or go to 3Tech.de slash newsletter, I think it is, to check it out. Yeah, that would be amazing. Perfect. And we'll add links to the show notes to make it even easier to access. Perfect. Nils, this was phenomenal. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks so much for being an amazing host. Uh, and hopefully we'll meet for a coffee in Berlin or Stockholm at some point. Thanks for tuning in to Customer Growth Sessions. If you found it helpful, subscribe and give us a review. It helps us to grow the show. Looking for more SEO guidance on how to grow your business? Contact us at innergrowth.com slash estimator or email me directly. You can reach me at pat at intergrowth.com. That's all for today. We'll see you again soon.